Good morning. Sorry. Um, so today's, today's Bible reading is from the book of Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11 to 14. Uh, so if you're following us, Hebrews chapter 5, verse uh, 11 to 14. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because no, uh, you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths uh, of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Okay, for this year, and okay, uh, for this year, 2024, Jay and Miles have laid out a plan for our lessons on Sunday mornings uh, to deal with the theme of spiritual growth and maturity. And I want to just start by suggesting that I think there are some um, questions that we need to ask about. Uh, why uh, this is important. Uh, and okay, number one, it shows our desire to be like Jesus. You know, as we grow, uh, we're becoming more like him. And Jesus made the statement that uh, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like his teacher. You know, we are disciples. As Christians, we're disciples of Jesus. We're followers of his. We are becoming more and more like him. And so growing is a way of showing that relationship and the importance of that relationship. Second, uh, spiritual growth shows our response to God's love and grace. I mean, that's, you know, God has blessed us so richly and so completely that we, we want to show him. And third, and I think this is really important and kind of helpful to see, uh, spiritual growth helps protect us against our vulnerabilities. And, you know, and I, I just want to put this kind of here. The, the question is like, What? Have you ever thought about the fact that you're vulnerable? You know, we have different things we talk about in our society. You know, we, we talk about what are, we call the vulnerable people, the vulnerable sector of society. It's, it's the young, it's the old, it's the people who have so, are socially disadvantaged, people who have different uh, challenges, um, health issues, whatever. And they're not quite able to, to stand up. Uh, as well uh, and to deal with things and so because we're vulnerable uh, 
we need to kind of recognize that how much of the New Testament was written to us. And I'm just going to touch on this very quickly. We're not going to look at that different passages related to it. But I just want to note that Jesus, uh, Paul, Peter, and the writer of Hebrews all talk about this from different ways. One of the most common themes that they talk about is what is called uh, false teachers. Uh, but it happens different ways. And as you look at uh, the... Uh, Different sources or causes. Okay, number one, Satan. You know, remember Paul talked about the fact that Satan prowls about like a roaring lion or ravening lion, depends on, depends on the translation, seeking someone to devour. Satan wants you. One of the most interesting sermons I saw many, many years ago was called Satan Wants Your Children. You know, and his parents, you know, and, and the, the premise of this sermon was I didn't preach it, but, I, you know, reading it, you know, the premise of the sermon was the fact that Satan wants to use you to get your children. Wow, that's powerful. But it helps parents understand how serious it is. Uh, false teachers and all the warnings that we have in the New Testament about, uh, about false teachers is really, really critical. Uh, but, you know, the, the biggest thing about our vulnerability is ourselves. We create. And so, um, it's expressed in different ways. Uh, we'll be talking about maturity and immaturity in our lesson. But immaturity, spiritually, uh, creates that vulnerability, our weakness, and our lack of knowledge, our lack of understanding. So, our reading this morning was from Hebrews chapter 5. And just a brief note about the book of Hebrews. Uh, Hebrews is really an issue. A lot of people think the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews, and a lot of people don't think the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. You know, one of the things we know that Paul's letters, he usually starts off, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, too. Hebrews doesn't start that way. There's no salutation quite like that that tells us who wrote it. With what we read in the book of Hebrews, the thought is that if it wasn't Paul, it was somebody that was close to him. Somebody that kind of thought a little bit like him. But yet there are some things in Hebrews that don't suggest Paul. So we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but it's part of the Bible and it's an important part. But Hebrews was written for Jewish Christians, and it's really important, that's why it's called the book of Hebrews. Uh, it's written to Jewish Christians who were becoming apathetic and careless. They were losing momentum. We'll see that in just a, a moment. And it's designed to try to help wake them up. And to understand uh, what it is that they have in Christ and what's important about that. So, uh, Paul says, or the writer says, you know, and it's, it's funny how that happens. Uh, the writer says that we have much more to say about this, 
but it's hard to make clear because you no longer try to understand. I don't know if that jumped out at you when Ray read that a minute ago. Some of the translations and probably more literal uh, expression here says, because you have become dull of hearing. Isn't that interesting? You know, sometimes you're talking with people and you see the eyes kind of glaze over and you realize, you know, you want to do that little thing they do on on some of the the, the comedy routines, you know, knock them on the head. Hello, anybody home? The writer of Hebrews says, I've got something that's really important to try to tell you. But you are totally tuned out. You're not paying attention. You don't, even worse, you don't want to hear. Does that tell you about the audience that he's, he's addressing and why he's addressing them? It certainly does. So, um, he's been talking about Jesus being high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and we're not going to try to explain that right now, but, uh, but, it's, it's a fairly challenging concept because the Jewish people were familiar with the priesthood of Aaron and his descendants. Melchizedek was a character that we read about in Genesis. It's a different, different idea. It's not a bloodline, uh, as Aaron's family was. So, and the writer of Hebrews wants to explain a really important idea because people were stuck with certain ideas and they needed to get a larger sense of the picture. So, he goes on. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. And I want to stop that verse right here because that is really significant. You know, you've become dull of hearing. By this time, in others, what he's saying to them is that you have been Christians long enough that you not only should have matured to the point as disciples that you are spiritually grown up, but now, do you see that word ought? Ought is what we call a moral imperative. It is a should. Does he qualify This by saying, you preachers and teachers? No. He's saying to the whole group of them, you all should be teachers. And one of the things I think we need to understand, every one of us is, in fact, a teacher. And you're thinking, no, I'm not a teacher. I don't get up. You are teaching by your life, by your example, by your attitude. As a parent, you're teaching your children by those means. It's not just about your words. But the writer of Hebrews is saying that you should have matured and grown up to the point as Christians that you become teachers. But the problem is, because you're not willing to listen, you need to have someone teach you again the elementary truth. And that that expression in the original is the idea of, of learning the ABCs. So imagine we get up, we come to church on Sunday morning, and somebody gets up here to do the last and said, well, you know, I think we need to go back to the very beginning. A, B, C, D. And you're going to go like, what? But he's saying you need to go back to the very, very beginning, the very basics. 
Because if you're not processing and, and mastering those, how are you going to really understand the, the things that, that really matter? So you need somebody to teach the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And I'll warn you right now, we're going to be talking about food and eating. Don't start thinking about lunch. But think about this. You need milk, not solid food. And then he goes on and says, Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. Solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. That's one of my favorite verses in this, simply because the the word that the writer uses here uh, is... The Greek word gymnao. Now, did you catch the first three letters there? G-Y-M. Oh, gym. Like gymnasium. Gymnastics. Yeah. And what that really suggests is that this is something that is acquired, a skill that's acquired through practice. Now, you want to be good in a sport. What do you do? You don't sign a professional contract and say, hey, I'm going to go play hockey, when you've never played hockey, right? In fact, the people who become the pros are the ones who have been playing it almost every day, every week, every month, every year of their lives, they have practiced and practiced and practiced until they have begun to master the skills that are involved with that. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying here is that we need to develop this progress, to develop this skill. So, Notice the progression that he talks about here, and this is the reason why I chose to use the title, that you begin as an infant, spiritually. Now you think about, what skills does an infant have? Well, they know how to cry, they know how to sleep, they know how to eat, but that's not, you know, they're totally dependent on others. The other thing about an infant is that everything in their world is explored through their mouth. Right? And so anybody who's had infants and little children, you know, the pre-toddler, early toddler, know that one of the things you always have to be aware of is the fact that they are going to put things in their mouth that don't belong there. When we first started having kids, we did everything we could to secure the, the under the kitchen sink, because that's where we kept the cleaning chemicals and things like that. And you know that a child, when they start to become mobile, is going to get in there, and they're going to put that in their mouth. They're going to kill them. So an infant is dependent. The second stage that he talks about is adult. An adult 
shows maturity, functions independently, makes independent decisions, acts independent. Now, I will say sometimes adults act like children, right? And they become selfish and self-focused. You know, we talk about egotistical. But the third thing he talks about is teacher. And a teacher is an adult who has reached the point that they are no longer just taking in for themselves, but now is giving out, helping others, sharing what they've learned. So, the contrast is in between the immature and the mature. So, as the, the writer goes here, he's talking about spiritual discernment. Recognizing, you know, it's, it's that idea about a child knowing the difference between what is learning of the difference between what is going to help, what's going to hurt. Uh, you know, as I was thinking about this sermon, this just kept going through my, my head. When Mike was just a little guy, maybe a year and a half old, and Diane and I were sitting there, we were eating maybe hamburgers, we had dill pickles. And Mike was in a little seat on the table, and he was wanting, you know, couldn't tell us, but like, gimme, but his mouth was just, oh, no, no, <laughs> wanting what we were eating. And we're eating dill pickles. And, you know, Dinah says, Mike, you don't want this. <laughs> and but he wouldn't stop. So we thought, okay, we're going to let him learn the hard way that dill pickles are really, really, really sour. And he does not have a taste for that quite yet. And so, put a bit of pickle in his mouth. And his eyes scrunched up and he, and he trembled. You know, and you know, all the things told you he was dying. And then he swallowed it. I went, oh, oh, and he wanted more. And every bite, he'd go through the same thing, the shudder, the... <laughs> well, he didn't know what he was asking for, but actually that, didn't, that lesson didn't work because he loves dill pickles. But, you know, the thing is, for discernment, we have to learn between the just difference between what's healthy and what's not healthy, right? You know, as you think about how culture has changed and recognized things, you know, when I, when I was young, uh, many paints had lead in them. I don't know if you knew that, but they did. People would paint cribs with paint that had lead in it. And these Little children in the cribs, putting their mouth on the on the the railings of the crib, were ingesting lead. And when they started having symptoms and side effects as a result of the lead, you know, our our society, our culture said, "Whoa, whoa, we can't do that." And so they started banning lead in paints. 
See, the child has no discernment and doesn't know. It's up to the adults to protect them. So um, what the writer here talks about is telling good from evil. And, you know, when I was when I was a kid and I was first kind of learning, you know, we talked about what was called the age of accountability. One of those expressions that and basically that was the fact that that a child doesn't know the difference between right and wrong, doesn't understand the gospel. And it's when they begin to really understand it, now they can make the decision to become a Christian. Is that really what the writer of Hebrews has in mind? Well, actually it's not. What the writer here is talking about is eating. And eating, tasting, what's good, what's evil, goes back to that idea of a child eating and not knowing what they're eating. So it's healthy or unhealthy that they're really talking about. So with the idea of mature and immature, uh, it goes on to the idea of the difference between milk and solid food. You know, a baby cannot uh, eat solid food. You know, you give, you know, like... Like, if Mike had been doing that and wanting a piece of steak, we would have said no, because you're going to choke on it, kid. You don't understand that. But you just can't handle that. And so we feed babies things like milk. And then as they grow a little older, we start giving them that cereal. We call it cereal, but it's like glorified milk, right? And then we move on to start giving them strained food. And then we start giving them, introduce the solids, more solid food. And then, as an adult, we lose the taste for that strained food. You know, I, I, we invited you over for soccer, supper, and we said, okay, we're going to have baby food for dinner. And you'd say something like, where's the closest McDonald's? Right? Because, ugh, it's bland. There's no substance to it. It's just, bleh, you know. And so as we mature, we lose the, the, the taste for the things that, you know, when a baby, when they first get introduced to that stuff, oh, sometimes they get, really get in, interested in that. So, uh, what the writer of Hebrews is basically saying here is the growth is personal. That, you know, sometimes I, I want to think about the idea that, that growth is natural, you know, if I can put that word in quotes, because we're talking about spiritual growth. But the growth is natural, that, that, it, that it happens. You know, we go through these different stages. Uh, and you think about it physically, that, that's what happens. You know, that, that, that the, the, the baby, the infant becomes a toddler, becomes, you know, uh, you know, and it starts moving through those stages and then pre-adolescent, adolescent, until it finally becomes uh, early adult, an adult. Spiritually, it takes more intention. You know, that's one of the words that we use a lot is, is intention. That spiritual growth is going to happen because we have chosen for it to happen. We are doing the things that are necessary for it to happen. Uh, 
And so you notice the expression that he used of, of discipline, of training. You know, they have trained themselves uh, to discern good and evil. They've, they've learned the difference between what is healthy and what is not healthy. Now, there are some passages in the New Testament, and we'll just touch on the idea very quickly here, um, of things that we need to grow in, okay? Just as an, as an example. Second uh, Peter 3, grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Now, in one sense, grace, I mean, God... You know, and that was one of the ideas in Romans 6. Shall we continue and sin that grace may abound? Grace might increase. The newer translations will say. The idea is that, you know, God's grace is abundant. It's, it's not going to increase. But we need to grow in our understanding of it. In our life in it. In our response to it. So we grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Uh, secondly, uh, grow in love. You know, love is a critical part of our lives. You know, and we could throw it, or we could include with this the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, you know, the, the list that, that Paul gives there. Um, I like a statement that is made in Second um, Peter of wholesome thinking. You know, one of the things that's part of growing spiritually is what's happening in the mind. Um, that is, the mind develop. You know, the mind leads the appetite for spiritual things, but it also leads in the uh, choices and the decisions and the plans that we make. How focused are we? Uh, what did Paul say in Romans 12? Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know, that, that it is the shaping of the will of the individual. Uh, but also scripture. One of the things that uh, I think is so important, and I, I wanted to include this because uh, I think it's so important for us as God's people. Uh, we have all been taught by other people, right? They have used the Bible, and they have given us certain uh, Bible passages. And, you know, you can talk with Christians, and very quickly you know what Bible passages and what ideas are, are important to them and what are really part of their life. But part of the growing process is learning the independence, the necessary independence, from what we have been taught in the past to examining and studying and evaluating and discerning to know whether that is really what the Bible is saying. I'm not saying you go to the assumption that everybody, everything that you've been taught is wrong. But it is like what, the, what Luke says in Acts about the Bereans. They received the word eagerly. What? Searching the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. It's not having a mind so open that you just swallow everything. You know, and, and that's part of the challenge that, that there are people on their spiritual journey who just absorb and swallow anything that they hear that has some semblance. You know, they hear a Bible passage and that passage may be totally out of context. 
But they say, oh, the Bible says this. Well, the Bible may not say that. But we have the responsibility to make sure that that's what the Bible actually says. And that that's how the Bible uses it. So that, you know, Paul uses that idea to Timothy. You know, about scripture given by inspiration of God, profitable doctrine for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. The man of God may be perfect, thoroughly equipped to every good work. We need to know that we have the word of God and that we're teaching and that we're following it. I want to flip over to another passage here from, uh, from Paul to the Ephesians. And Paul just kind of sums this up. And as you kind of see how the themes that we've been talking about work into this. So, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, and others, the leadership in the church to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You know, see what? The, the, the body grows up, the individual grows up, and becomes mature. But he calls the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Then, see, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. See, you overcome the vulnerability by growing up as a Christian, by becoming mature, by becoming skilled in knowing and using God's word, in living and making life choices that are healthy, not going toward the garbage. So instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Okay, as I thought about this, I thought, well, how do I want to end this? And I want to go back to talking about food. You like that? Okay, now just think about this as we've, as we've been talking about this. Because, all right, go back to the infant. What does the infant eat? Whatever the parent. Now, let's kind of forget the thing that the infant will try to eat everything in sight, including its own clothes. You know, you put the baby out on the grass and it'll eat everything out there on the grass. And you're going, no. Because it has no discernment. But then we have the parent. The adult. And the adult... You know, and I, I thought about putting more stages in here because you got the teenager who will eat every junk food in the world. And the discernment there is going to not be great. I mean, they're going to want the French fries and the, 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 the high fat, the high sugar, you know, pre-diabetic stuff. But the adult is learning to make healthy choices is recognizing that while some of this other stuff tastes great and gives them a, uh, that is really 
not good for their body. And so they begin to make healthy choices as that wakens up. But then, what about the third stage we've been talking about? You know, and I, I, I was thinking, and I'm going to pick on Joe. Uh, I, I don't even see Joe and Will here, but, uh, you know, for those that, that don't know, you know, everybody knows Will. Uh, Joe is Will's daddy. I'm always with him, and, and Joe's a professional chef. And when he, he first moved here, he was, he was the executive chef for some of the big hotels downtown. I was, man, that's cool. Running one of those huge kitchens, producing phenomenal food. And just right there, man, that's impressive. But, as Will, came along, and as Joe kind of reshaped his, his career, he refocused to take the skills that he had acquired as a chef to become a teacher. And he is now teaching young people how to do what he's done most of his adult life. And you think about what that kind of suggests, that you know, and it's basically the idea that you don't really know a subject until you know it well enough to begin to teach it to others. Is that a fair way of assessing what we need to be doing spiritually as we grow? That we reach a point that we're able in some way by our, by our words, by our actions, by our influence and example, that we are showing people the way to Christ. That we are showing what it is to be a disciple. That we're saying, follow as Paul did, follow me as I follow Christ. Where are we, you and me? You know, I'm not going to sit here and judge you. I'm not going to say, oh, you're just a child. But we need to ask ourselves, where are we? Are we the, the spiritual infant? Are we the spiritual adult? Are we the spiritual teacher? As we sing our our last song, hopefully as we're doing that, we'll be thinking about what our relationship is with Christ and how we are responding and, and what kind of spiritual growth, what we have become in the time that we have been Christians. With the writer of Hebrews saying to us, by this time you should be, unfortunately you're not. Let's stand as you sing.